Welcome to episode four of The Player and the Journalist with Jillian Riley and David Vick. In this episode, we will discuss the struggles and sacrifices that come along with success and staying positive through the highs and lows. Jillian Riley, national champ, episode four. Very good stuff to talk about in this episode. How's it going? Yes, very exciting. It's going well. I feel like it's been a while, but I'm excited to be back. It has. We missed a week. That was totally my fault. I did not put it in my agenda. You know, <laughs> nerds need agendas and I did not put it in my agenda. So mm. oh, it happens. End of summer. It gets busy. For sure. So I did want to start off by saying that September is National Suicide Prevention Month. Um, and so that was kind of the background for this episode's topics and what we are going to discuss. Um, Julie and I thought it would be great to discuss mental health and some of the just everyday struggles that come along with it, whether you're a lacrosse player or not. Um, obviously, we will tie in everything to lacrosse, but obviously there's more to lacrosse or there's more to life than lacrosse, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So we are going to start with struggles and sacrifices. So I would love to just give you the floor to whatever you want to start with, and we'll just kind of go from there. Um, obviously, you were a D1 athlete for five years. With that comes a lot of long days, um, a lack of social life to a large extent. Obviously, you're on a team, but still. Um, so, yeah, just what are your thoughts on struggles and sacrifices as it relates to trying to be the best at what you do? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to talk about this topic because I think it's, you know, very prevalent in our days now. And um, I think, you know, there's always sort of been a stigma behind mental health. And um, I think especially being a division one um, athlete, you have a lot of responsibility, um, you know, between your your, lacrosse, or your sport and, and your, the commitments there and um, your academic workload. So I think it's definitely important that we're having this conversation, um, especially now with it being suicide prevention month. I think it's, it's you know, a pressing topic and issue and there's more um, circulating about it now, more conversations being had, but I definitely think that there's more work to be done. So I just wanted to say that first off, but I think, you know, for me, this, this past year with COVID definitely um, shed light more so on the struggles of mental health. And, you know, we had to battle quarantines and I think mentally a lot of people were just being worn out um, and sort of felt helpless. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, And, you know, I think the struggles from having to be, you know, sitting with your thoughts and then also having to transition to virtual learning as a student athlete, um, you know, not being able to see your teammates and, you know, sort of fill that social void, I think, you know, made that responsibility as a student athlete that much harder. Um, So I think, you know, for me, just going back and thinking about my freshman year, it definitely wasn't talked about, you know, mental health and the struggles student athletes face. Um, but I think, you know, as time has gone on, I, I was at Boston college for five years and, you know, the, um, student athlete development, um, they did such a great job sort of just circulating more conversations about it, um, and letting people sort of just like speak their mind and and talk about their struggles. I think that's the most important part. Um, you know, when, whenever you're facing some sort of mental illness or just anxiety or, you know, however, um, minor or major the, the the problem may be I think it's always important to talk about it so I think we need to sort of still work together to shake that stigma of you know it being sort of frowned upon for for facing mental struggles or not sort of 
um, viewing mental um, illnesses as important as physical ones, especially as a student athlete. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting that we're doing this now and hopefully it, it circulates more conversations on teams and within athletic departments, but um, that was a lot there, but I just, I think it's really important. We're talking about it and um, you know, I can definitely bring some of my personal struggles to the floor, but definitely just wanted to start off by saying that. That was great for sure. Um, I, I really like how you pointed out the word helpless as kind of being a way to describe it as someone who has depression and anxiety. I think that is a great way to describe it. And um, especially relating to, to athletes at the D1 level, we look at them, no matter the sport, as being the best at what they do and kind of being superhuman in a way. But at the end of the day, like we're all like we all have our, our demons, you know, we all have things we struggle with that just pop back up and things that we're just always like trying to, to beat kind of kind of so um thought the word helpless was very good and then I wanted to wanted to if you would be willing to share your specific like maybe two or three specific struggles that popped up whether it be a lack of social life because of the the busy days or where you have days that you just you feel like you just can't finish because you have so much to do um it, it the lack of being able to relax in some situations um so I just, just, I have no clue where you're going to take this um, as a fan and really as a person, I'm excited to hear what you have to say on that. But just to rephrase the question, since I just kept going on and on, um, <laughs> could you put up, point out two to three struggles that you struggled with during your time at Boston College as a student athlete? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's a bunch. I think, you know, being a student athlete, especially at the Division One level, um, it's a big commitment and it requires, you know, dedication and a lot of sacrifice. Um, I think for me, just, just generally speaking, I've always sort of been, um, an anxious person, but obviously lacrosse has always been my passion. And I knew that I wanted to, um, play in college. So I guess for me, it wasn't really any specific situation. I think it was more so just like day by day struggles. And I always sort of, um, have been someone who, you know, fears the future. And like, I love, I love knowing what to expect. And I think that was something for me, especially coming in as a freshman was, and for everybody too, you don't know what to expect, um, you know, school wise, academic wise, but also lacrosse and athletic wise. And you just sort of have to, um, take it day by day. And, you know, for me, it was, it was all the little things. It was, you know, the fitness tests, it was, exams in my classes, you know, my first exams papers. Um, and then, you know, as you get older, it turns into different sort of anxieties, like just playing time, fighting for playing time, or, you know, you start the, um, career search and it's interviews. And so, I mean, everybody struggles with that, those sort of things, um, you know, in, in time, but I think for me, that was just sort of something that, um, you know, I had to own and I had to work through and cope with was just, you know, not always knowing what to expect. And I think especially um, this past year with COVID, right, the uncertainty was even more so than it's ever been. So I think, you know, I I stepped in um, into more of a leadership position as a captain this year. So I think I sort of had a new anxiety in terms of how am I going to be able 
to lead from afar in the fall, right? Because we didn't really have too much going on there. So that was a big anxiety of mine. Um, and then just sort of, you know, how, how am I going to rally a team who, you know, is coming off a shortened season, but also with our program coming off of three losses still, I felt a lot of pressure to sort of like, okay, how am I going to get us back on track? How am I going to, you know, motivate um, everybody to, to, to show up, continue to show up each day, even though we don't know what to expect. Our season could end, you know, again tomorrow. And so I think I sort of, uh, the way that I coped with that was just sort of, um, you know, talking about the positive and, and, you know, sort of just reassuring and reinforcing the positivity and, you know, all the good things we still did have, you know, we had, um, we did still have shortened um, time in the fall with, with each other. And then even though we were masked and we had to get tested and, you know, all the COVID craziness that we had to deal with, we still, you know, luckily we, we never really faced like an entire shutdown. We missed a couple of scrimmages at the beginning of the year, but, you know, all of our, we followed through with all of our games, which was really exciting. So I think in terms of this following year, it was just sort of focusing on the good and, you know, that's, that's a good way to deal with sort of anxiety of um, the uncertainty and all of that. But those are sort of just a couple of the things that I've faced as, you know, as a player and as a leader um, at Boston College, but I'm sure there's, there's many more I forgot, but those are the first couple of things that come to mind. It's interesting to hear you um, talk about the little anxieties, because obviously it's easier said than done to be in the present and be where your feet are kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. But there are all sorts of little things that pop up every day for everyone that are sources of anxiety or nervous energy um, for people who aren't, who don't live with anxiety. Sorry, I cannot speak tonight. I don't know Mm -hmm. why. Um, But so it's interesting to hear you talk about that. And um, just from my personal experience, I would say it's important to when you do have those moments of anxious energy, just like take time for yourself, which obviously it's harder for, it's harder for someone like you to do that. Who's a D one athlete and you have the schedule and the workouts and the practices than it is for someone like me, who's just going to school. Um, and I don't have the, the requirements, I guess the things I have to do. Um, but to take time for yourself is important. One thing I did want to get your opinion on, I brought it up a few times, is could you talk about the social aspect of being a D1 athlete and what kind of comes along with that? I mean, obviously, um, it's probably a little different at each school, but for Mercer, they have a D1 women's lacrosse team and some nights, like the whole team would like go to a party or whatever it may be. And then some nights... Like if you have a game Saturday morning, you're traveling Friday night or whatever the case may be, you don't get to do that. And you might not get to go on as many dates because you're just so busy. And that might just take away certain aspects of the the normal college life that other people have. So could you talk about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I think at Boston College, uh, the social life, really, it's we are such a um, close-knit team and you know we we say that we're a family and and we really do mean it um you know so a lot of our social outings um are as a team and I think it's really cool that lacrosse is a spring sport because coming into the fall uh, we sort of had have that time to bond socially and so you know I don't know what the case is at other schools and I know that some teams do go off and, and do their own thing but I think 
for the most part, we do almost everything together as a team, whether it's, you know, going like hanging out on the weekends, um, going to parties, going to other sporting events. We, we do that pretty much all, um, as a team, because we love, we love each other's company. We love hanging out and, and it's never even, um, you know, div- divided by classes. It's, it's everyone it's freshmen all the way up to, you know, our, our fifth years and our, and our grad students. And I think that's, you know, that's something really special, um, to our program, because I think it truly does translate to, um, the spring when we, when we come to play together on the field is just all the, the quality bonding time we do, um, together in the fall. And, you know, we plan a lot of, um, small group dinners and again, it's a mix of classes, um, positions, you know, we sort of mix it all up and we really work in the fall to get to know everybody on a deeper level so that we can build those connections, um, off the field. And then I think, you know, it's important that, you, you just sort of continue to stay close with each other. And that's something that we do do, um, you know, over winter break, we always have a small group Zoom or this past break, we had small group Zooms and we just, we, you know, we stayed in touch because uh, as we've seen the past couple of years, that, that, that is something that's um, really important to how successful you are come the season. So um, socially, that's sort of the, the gist at BC. We do, we hang out um, as a team a lot. We go to do things, just small things. And, you know, we hang out, we ask people to go get coffee, but, but for the most part, it's, it's all with our teammates and um, you know, we're, we love doing stuff together and, and it's fun and exciting, especially, you know, I'm seeing everybody back on campus now this fall and they have the football games to go back to. And that's a huge social part of um, Boston college is the uh, football tailgates and football games. So that's exciting to see that back in action because that wasn't something we had access to last fall, unfortunately, but my senior year was, it was a total blast. And, you know, just being able to share that experience with everybody on the team and, you know, our alumni base is so strong. So we always have alumni coming back for those games and tailgating and and just catching up and all that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the gist of the social scene, um, at Boston college, at least. That sounds really good. I know, um, it can be like a, a difficult aspect for a lot of different careers, not just athletes, um, which obviously you are, you, you just graduated with your master's, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I mean, I'm sure it'll be easier for you. Cause I mean, you ha- you still in Boston, you still have like mm-hmm. all the VC fans and stuff, but a lot of people, when they graduate, they like, they have a hard time meeting people cause they're busy. They might be in a new location, all that stuff. And then you have introverts like me who I don't talk to any, anybody, you know? So um, anyways, uh, could you point out a few of the sacrifices that are necessary to be the best at what you do while also trying to balance the mental health and social life and all that stuff, if that's possible? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one thing that um, you sort of mentioned earlier that I would consider a sacrifice um, more so in the spring, I guess, in the fall for us, but it's, it's your weekend commitments, right? So it's, it's not going, um, to all the social events that, you know, maybe some of your other friends are going to in order to, you know, whether it's, if you have a comp- competition the next day, or you just have practice or, um, whatever it may be, I think, you know, there's a lot of social sacrifice that comes with being a division one athlete. You, you miss out on, I guess for us in the spring, it would be spring break. So I I've never had a spring break. Um, and then another big one too, is, you know, summer abroad opportunity or not summer abroad, excuse me, um, like fall or spring abroad programs, which is a big thing for people, usually junior year. Um, 
so it's stuff like that and the, the social aspect of things. And then I guess in terms of categorizing it, um, academic sacrifices, right? So when you're on the road, um, you, you have to reschedule exams, you have to get notes that you miss from class, um, whatever it may be in terms of, you know, not falling behind on your schoolwork. I think that that's a huge sacrifice that you make in order to, you know, keep your grades up. You have to sort of be proactive and you have to be able to hunker down and get your studies done um, on the road. I think that's a huge one too. Um, those are a couple that I can think of right off the bat. Uh, and then I think another important one too is keeping yourself like physically fit, right? So over the summers, I guess it would just be, you know, committing to your workout packet. For example, we get a workout packet from our trainer every summer and it's committing yourself to that. Um, you know, it's, it's watching what you eat in terms of staying healthy and fit and preparing to hit the ground running come the fall. So I think, you know, there's a bunch of sacrifices that student athletes have to make in, in all different areas. So I think that ties in perfectly back to our topic of mental health and just having, you know, so many different things you have to be worrying about. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all make those sacrifices because we're passionate about the sport that we play. Um, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't take a toll on people. So I think it's really, you know, it's really important to draw attention to that. Um, and, you know, sort of just spark conversations about it, like we're doing right now. For sure. So I'm just going to pick right up where you just left off when it comes to taking a toll on people. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with because when you're trying to, for example, when you're trying to win a national championship and you're trying to be the best, you can be the best in the world, the best program, you, you have to put in so much time, energy, and effort, and you can't do that with a bunch of other things. You know, you can't be like 50, 50 kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it, the, the road to success can be very lonely at times. I think that, and that's something a lot of people struggle with, whether that's in singing or acting, you see a lot of like young singers or young actors, they struggle with addiction or what, whatever the case may be, because they're always on the road, they're always doing something and they're not, they're not really surrounded by a good support system. And I feel like when you're, when you're chasing greatness, especially in sports, um, and even like trying to build up lacrosse extras, like there's some things I want to do that I can't. And then like my, my mom would be like, Oh, can you come over this weekend? I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm watching games all weekend. I'm doing this, this and that. And mm -hmm. it, it can be lonely and it can be frustrating at times when people don't understand why you're doing what you do. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, there are so many sacrifices that are required if you want to be the best at what you do. Mm -hmm. And even if you want to be good, like I, I kind of look at it like if you want to sacrifice this much, you're going to be this good. If you want to sacrifice more, you're going to be at the next level kind of thing. And whoever's willing to sacrifice the most is going to not always be the best, but they're going to be up there. And so I feel like just to kind of sum up what I said with mental health and sacrifice, it can be a very lonely road. And so you really have to be proactive and trying to take care of yourself mentally I think definitely more than physically. I mean, obviously you have to recover and all that stuff, but if your mind's not right, nothing's going to be right. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that just for me personally, I think is, is something that doesn't get talked about enough. Definitely. I agree with you. Moving on to mm -hmm. staying positive through the highs and the lows. Obviously it's easy to stay positive when everything's going your way and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But life is all about failure and you're going to fail. You're going to get knocked down. The world's going to push you to your knees. 
you're going to feel like, oh, I just can't do it today. You know, there's going to be so many times where you fail and you're at like the lowest of lows, especially when you're chasing greatness and you can speak to this better than anyone from losing three national championships. If you're chasing greatness at some point, you're going to experience extreme like pain and agony and defeat. And it, that's just how it is. And no matter what you do in life. So can you talk about how to stay positive through the lows and how to handle those lows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a quote that I, I always live by is everything happens for a reason. And I think in terms of, you know, losing three national championships, right. It, it, the heartbreak in the moment is, is unbearable and, you know, it never, each year it it got harder and harder, obviously. Um, but it's not until, you know, you start to come out of that darkness and turn the page where you sort of can look back and realize that, you know, maybe that did happen for a reason. And like, if you were to come to me and talk to me about, you know, staying positive during the lows when I was, you know, the day after losing a third national championship, I probably wouldn't be saying this, but it's, it's not until you are a few months out and you look back um, where you sort of learn that, okay, we weren't, maybe weren't the team that we were supposed to be then. And then obviously with it coming full circle this year for me, um, you know, we, we learned so much from those losses that, you know, it sort of makes it all worth it. And, you know, and I'm not saying it was easy. I think trying to stay positive during, you know, those times, it's really hard. And I think that's where you sort of just have to lean on other people. Um, because like you said, like the road to success is, is never easy and, and you're absolutely going to fall flat in your face and you're going to fail. But, you know, in that failure, you're, you're supposed to learn something and you're supposed to gain something from it. So no matter how hard it is in the moment and in the moment, you're not going to be able to see why, or, you know, to ask your answer yourself, like, why is this happening? I think, you know, give it some time and and you look back and uh, when you finally reach that goal or, you know, um, a new opportunities presented in front of you. Those, those are the times where you look back and, and you, you sort of can reflect and be like, Oh, okay. You know, that was brutal. And I never want to face that again, but if that hadn't happened, this probably wouldn't have ha- happened as a result. So I think it's a really cool concept. Um, and obviously I have, I have a lot of experience to pull from, but, you know, aside from just the national championships, it's, it's all the little things too. It's, you know, for me in my career search now, it's, okay, this, this interview didn't go well, but maybe it didn't go well for a reason. And that job wasn't meant for me stuff like that. Um, and it happens to everybody. So I definitely think, you know, in terms of staying positive, you have to just stay open to different opportunities. You have to, you know, lean on other people for support. Um, but again, just to go back to that quote, everything happens for a reason. I'm, I'm a true believer in that. And I think that you just sort of have to embrace the lows of life in order to, you know, come out, and see the light on the other end. For sure. So I think that is a, a great approach. That is a great mindset. And I have so much respect for you for being able to like live that way because obviously it's easier said than done. Um, and it's interesting because everyone handles failure differently. And obviously the people who I guess you could say handle it the best are the ones who use it to to motivate them going forward and to pick themselves and are able to pick themselves back up, which is, can be very hard. And I like the word you used, um, you said unbearable. And I think that is probably the closest word you can use because sometimes 
you will fail. And like you said, you will fall flat on your face. And when you do, it's like the worst feeling ever. And it's almost indescribable because Mm -hmm. you have so many emotions and you're like, I just did all this work and I just gave it everything I had and I, I failed. And the, the sucky thing about life is there are going to be moments where you give it everything you have and your best just isn't good enough. And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow because it's, it's really humbling yeah. and it's, and it just hurts because you're like, I just gave it everything I had. And this isn't just in sports. This is in life. You know, if you want to make it about relationships and you give everything you had to this one person and then it doesn't work out and you're like crushed, you know, and it, the, the feeling of failure is the worst feeling like if you lose someone, if someone passes away, if you get dumped or whatever the case may be, the feeling of failure itself is, it just, it sucks. Mm -hmm. And that's just how it is. And it's, it is hard, but you have to deal with it. And, um, I don't, I don't have the quote in front of me, but, um, Misha Tate, she was a former UFC champion and she basically said, you're not a true champion until you get back up. So if everything's always going your way and going good, you're not a true champion of life. You Mm -hmm. have to be able to pick yourself back up when the times get tough. When you go bankrupt with your business and you have nothing, like that's when, that's when you reveal who you are as a person and what you're like truly made of when your back is against the wall. Mm -hmm. And when your wife leaves you or whatever the case may be, you know, it's, it's the worst of times that reveal who you really are as a person. It's not winning championships and, making all sorts of money that doesn't reveal anything about you you know that just it it just doesn't in my opinion so um so yeah that's my little spiel on that do you have any thoughts on that yeah definitely I think that sort of sparked another thought in my mind in terms of and I'm sure we could spend a whole another episode talking about this but in terms of people's social media presence you know nobody out there especially athletes typically are posting or publishing their failures or are always posting and publishing their successes, their success stories. So I think, you know, that doesn't help in terms of when people are facing, you know, failure, facing those lows, strolling, uh, scrolling in their feeds and on their phones and, and seeing people posting all the good. And so, you know, it makes them feel alone. It makes them feel like they're the only ones struggling and that things like this only happen to them. Um, but I think that's, you know, that's another important aspect to just sort of pays attention to when you are facing those failures is to not feed into stuff you're seeing on social media, because again, people aren't posting their failures. So I think, you know, in terms of people feeling alone, it's, it's, it's tough nowadays with the technology and social media being, you know, as um, popular as it is now, you just have to sort of remember that, that life, life is messy and, and you can't go scrolling on I guess, you know, it's getting better nowadays. People are posting, you know, more real stuff, you know, when they are feeling low and stuff, but to not pay attention to all those success stories when you're feeling low, because, you know, you're only going to keep digging yourself in into a deeper hole. Right. And that's a great point. I actually saw a post about this. Um, I think it was yesterday through the lacrosse extras Instagram. Someone had posted on their story. They said, don't compare your darkest moments to someone else's highlight reel mm-hmm. and I was like wow that is gold because like you said people post their best stuff on social media they're not going to post when they cry themselves to sleep mm-hmm. or when they just feel like they aren't good enough as a person because they they failed over and over and over again that day or they're on like a, a bad stretch of failures you know yeah. and so 
that is a great point. I think once again, easier said than done, which like everything seems to be that way, but you have to, it's, it's almost like you have to be selfish in the sense that you have to only focus on yourself. You can't worry about what other people are doing because then you're just going to compare yourself. And if you compare yourself, there's always someone who has it better than you. There's always someone who has it better than them, you know? So it's just staying positive in the low times. That's really when you need someone to lean on. And if you don't have someone to lean on, it can be super tough. Mm -hmm. Um, But hey, talk to a therapist. I talked to mine. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Shout out Lisa Duffy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She is amazing. Um, And so like, don't be afraid to ask people for help. For me personally, I, I don't talk to my parents about certain stuff if mm-hmm. I just don't like, they just don't understand you know but I can talk to my therapist and mm-hmm. I have um one specific friend who I can like talk to about different things but it, it, you just it's good to have someone to open up to um and it's there's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist or admitting that you're struggling it's super hard because you don't want people to think that you're struggling or that you're not good enough or whatever the case may be but talk to people it's good for you and it works. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think, you know, tying that b- idea back into being a student athlete, it, it's actually a strength if you can come forward and, and, you know, sort of voice your concerns and your emotions. And I think, you know, we're working toward breaking that stigma, but, but it's not a weakness and, and you should never be, you know, ashamed for, for voicing, um, you know, any, any sort of, um, illness that you may be struggling, no matter how big or small it is, I think, you know, that's really important. And like you said, everybody's outlet's going to be different, whether it's a therapist or a friend or a sibling or a coach, I think, you know, it's, it's just, it's however, um, you want to handle it and whoever you feel comfortable talking to, but I, you know, it's important for everybody to know that there's always someone and, you know, it's, it's, it's not good to, you know, sort of, sit on your thoughts and, you know, not voice them to anybody. And it's actually considered um, a strength if you're able to bring, you know, your concerns forward. So I think it's really cool that we've had this conversation and hopefully, you know, people listening are feeling inspired and, um, you know, more confident to sort of face their, their own anxieties or emotions and, you know, in the world, the world's still sort of a messy place right now. So I think especially this month, month, it's, it's important to talk about um, your feelings and your concerns with everything going on um, in society. So I'm really, I'm really glad we were ha- able to have this conversation. I love that you said um, it's actually a strength. It's kind of going back to that thing or that the old school mindset of don't feel any pain, don't show any pain. Like if you're in, in touch with yourself and your emotions, you're going to feel everything you can possibly feel at different points. And it is a strength to say I am struggling, even though the world might not be to that point yet where it's like, I totally feel comfortable saying that I'm struggling. But like you said, we are making progress. Um, And so just to wrap things up, Mm -hmm. if I may, if we'll both be a little vulnerable right here, Mm -hmm. could you talk about when you do lose confidence? Because at some point, everyone loses confidence. And that's not a that's not a bad thing. It just happens. That's life. You know, you're going to get kicked down, like I said, and you're going to lose confidence. How do you, how would you recommend that someone handle that situation? Yeah. I think the most important thing to do in terms of, you know, building your confidence back up, um, especially being on a team is to just not compare yourself to others, right. Especially when you're feeling low, you're not feeling your best. 
the worst thing you can do is, you know, to pick a teammate to compare yourself to. I think in order to build your confidence back up, you need to um, sort of look deep within yourself and, and just sort of figure out why for yourself and sort of like block out whatever is going on around you. Um, and just sort of, you know, self-talk is huge. I think that's, you know, that's something that's really hard again for, for student athletes, because it's hard to sort of block out those distractions and, you know, fight back from, um, losing confidence. But yeah, my advice would just be to, to focus on, you know, why, why you were committed to the school you were committed to and, you know, focus on your strength strengths rather than your weaknesses. And again, I think, I think leaning on coaches or teammates is important, um, in terms of building yourself back up. But I, I think, you know, in terms of just sort of dealing with any sort of issue when it comes to confidence is, is you can't compare yourself. You just, you got to be able to put your head down and, and, and work toward, um, building that confidence and, and reassuring yourself, um, without comparing, because I think that's, that's just super defeating, um, especially to any student athlete. For sure. So I totally agree with what you just said, 100%. Um, and the interesting thing about comparing yourself to others, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, but everyone has their own issues. So you're comparing yourself to them and you're like, oh, they just have it all together, but they might not have it all together right now. They could be feeling super down about something you have no idea about, or they could be lacking confidence just to make it about lacrosse. It could be a coach. She could have made a bad decision last game. You, you lose the game and she's second guessing herself, mm-hmm. you know, a player, even like a Charlotte North, if she goes a whole game versus, I think it was Louisville. I think she scored one goal at the, I think it was the game winner. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously she, I mean, she might not have lost confidence, but she might've lost some confidence. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you just never know. It doesn't matter who, who anyone is, no matter how big they seem or how larger than life they seem everyone loses confidence at certain points. So just don't compare yourself to others. Like you said, that is a great message. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I absolutely loved, I love talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm sure we will come back to this at some point. Um, I think it's definitely much needed, especially we're still coming out of COVID. And I know that a lot of um, therapists, their, their patients went through the roof during COVID because like the need was so high and a lot of relationships ended during COVID and sorry, I keep bringing up relationships. I just feel like, mm-hmm. I just feel like that is a, a big source of anxiety, stress, sadness, depression for a lot of people. And especially when you're comparing yourself to others, you're like, Oh, that, that person's with this person. Why can't I be with a person like that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like it, it really ties into lacrosse and life itself. Um, and that just goes back to comparing yourself to others. So like everyone needs help, especially in the United States, we are the most depressed country in the world. And that's because of the social media and the, I have no issues trying to present myself Mm -hmm. that way, you know? So it's like our country needs help and that's okay. (laughs) We all need help. Yes. Yes. Yep. It's true. And I think it's important to, you know, just highlight the fact that, that nobody's perfect and, you know, the best of the best, even have their, their bad days. And I think that's important for people, especially athletes to realize is you're not going to be perfect every day. You know, you're going to have bad practices. You're going to fail run tests. You're going to have the worst games of your life and, you know, life goes on. And I think that's, that's something that, um, 
you know, is really important and looking at the bigger picture, you know, as a, as a freshman, I struggled with that and I definitely didn't do that. But I think something I learned, um, you know, in my experience being a student athlete is you have to, you know, be able to step back and, and look at the bigger picture and the, the littlest things that cause you anxiety aren't, aren't going to matter in a week or in a month, you know, or a year down the line. So I think just, you know, just being confident in yourself and, you know, Hank, but also sort of just surrounding yourself with people who are going to build you up and not break you down, I think is really important too. Okay. I must say you, you sound like a therapist. It's amazing. <laughs> I love what you said when you said life goes on. That is, it's hard to feel that way sometimes, especially when you're having a really crappy day and it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. It's like, I just want this day to be over with, but right. life goes on. The sun comes up the next day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes all you need is a good night's sleep. It's really that simple exactly. sometimes. No, it is. It really is. Just taking time so, for yourself too. For sure. And so I will end with um, something I was told a while ago, and I'm not sure what culture it is, if it's China or Japan, but in one of, I think it's one of those two cultures, they have this belief that if a vase gets broken, when they when they put it back together, they they fill the cracks with gold. And so they see it as, oh, it's better than it was before. And so I, I say that because it's easy to feel like when you're broken, oh, I'm never, like, this is a super dark thought, but as someone who's been depressed, lives with depression, has it, and will always have it. It's just a thought that I've had, and I'm sure other people have had. When you, when you feel broken as a person, it's easy to feel like, oh, I'm never going to be where I was, or I'm never going to be where I want to be. But just stay positive and just think about building the vase back up with gold and the cracks it's worth even more than it was before. And when you go through the highs and the lows, it just builds you as a person. And that's the best way to look at it and be positive, like you said, because if you're not positive, then it can tear you, tear you down and it can do more damage than good. But the more life experience you have, the better you'll be. If, like, just think about it. Oh, I'm going to be a better parent now to my future kid because I've been through this, this, and that. You know, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it, just build the vase back up with gold and it'll be better. <laughs> Try and think of it like that. I love that. That's awesome. Found the episode title, Build the Vase. Build the Vase. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> I awesome. love it.